<laughs> Thank you. Wow, now I'm live. Can you hear me? I can hear me. Thank you, guys. Good morning, church. <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen, it is. I, I just got to give a little bit of props to Pastor Tyrone right now because he does this every week. And I'm not really sure how he makes that happen. Honestly, I think uh, I've known that I was doing this message for a couple of months and a lot of sleepless or semi-sleepless nights have happened. If I did this weekly, I'm pretty sure I'd be like a zombie <laughs> walking around. God seems to like to download to me in the middle of the night. Pretty sure that's because I don't stop moving much during the day. When I do, I'm asleep. So uh, he kind of has to wake me up at the night. So Pastor Tyrone, he's not hearing this at the moment, but he will eventually. And I just want us to give him a big thanks for all he does. I have a newfound uh, respect for all that goes into preparing a message and letting the Lord speak to you and delivering what he has and not just a list of ideas that you think might be great. So um, I do want to say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms in the house. Uh, amen. Happy Mother's Day again. You deserve it. Over and over again, we'll say it. Um, the older I get, the more I realize how strong you are and how brave you are. Um, I, it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I had friends starting to have kids leave home for school that I think I really started to grasp some of the depth uh, of the challenges of motherhood and um, living that out with some of my friends, whoa. I, I understood what my mother went through and didn't say a word when I left and uh, with joy. I was so thrilled, you know, to head off to college and here I go and she never once said, please don't even though I'm sure she felt that. So, so moms, you're brave, you're strong. We are, we love you so much and thank you for all that you do. This is not a Mother's Day message. Um, it is a message that's happening on Mother's Day, and uh, it's certainly going to relate to the heart of a mom, uh, but it is a message that is birthed in the heart of God for this day. And so um, I'm grateful to be here with all of you. So this is a message about adoption. So it sounds like it's a Mother's Day message, but it's, it goes uh, far beyond that. So we are all in some stage of adoption, whether we know it or not, and... Um, we're going to talk more about that. So first I want to pray. Will you just pray with me? Um, Lord, truly may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, and the hearts of all those, all of us in this place today, may those thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock, our redeemer. In Jesus' name. I have uh, layers of family, and I do want to just... I feel like whenever there's kind of a guest speaker, they show a picture of their family. Um, so I'm going to do that in just a minute, but I have to kind of say first, because you guys are going to be like, this is the most non-traditional family I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I have layers of family. All of you who I know, you're part of my family, and I praise God for the family of God because it's the best family on the planet, honestly. It really is. I have many friends I consider family, especially those I went to Bible college with who they're friends for life. We did that young adult life together, which so um, 
Wow, it's such a time of life, and I'm grateful to have so many friends that are family members from that realm. I also have an immediate family. I still call them my immediate family, even though all of my siblings are married and have their own kids. But my parents, I'm the oldest of four. All my siblings are married, have kids. So there's like 24 of us in my immediate family, but they're all in Minnesota. And then I also have this family that I live with here, the family the Lord has given to me in Yuma. They're all adopted. Um, and so I think there's a picture I'm going to show you. The very first adoptee, and I'm not sure if you can really see, the first adoptee honestly was the cat. When I moved here, uh, Bob appeared at my school, literally, I think, honestly, I think God dropped him into a bush and he walked out and I said, what are you doing here? And he followed me all the way to my classroom, in my classroom, would not stop meowing uh, the whole way. So I wasn't planning to adopt an animal. I grew up on a farm. Animals are outside, you know, that kind of thing. Bob, first adoptee. A few years later, I met my dearest friend in the whole world. She happens to be here today, Miss Shelley. And I could give you a whole message of uh, the fact that the Lord has not provided me with a husband besides himself. That's a whole message in itself. But he has given me so many incredible family members, so many great supporters, and uh, people who love me and speak truth into me. And Shelly is that. For, she is a, an amazing woman of God. And so I'm so grateful the Lord has provided her in my life. Since then, we've added two more I, I, black chihuahuas. And I was thinking as I was getting ready for this, it's like we really are a multi-generational and, I don't know, um, uh, also um, uh, multinational, I guess. We're Italian, we're German, our Siamese from some, I don't know where they're from. Anyway, and aren't Chihuahuas Mexican? I don't know. Um, but we've got this great mix uh, in our family, and um, I need to tell you about the most recent adoptee. It's the little black guy up there named Marky, Marcus. And this, his adoption story is actually where this message started, and I had no idea he was on the radar. He wasn't on my radar at all. We weren't planning to have any more animals in the house, uh, but God had other plans. So back a couple of months ago at Reset Conference, how many of you were here for Reset Conference? So you may remember um, that, that very weekend. So it's Saturday. Uh, we, we get this call from a friend of ours who has this animal up for adoption, and I'll try and make this part of the story quick, but um, we were like, no, and, but we felt this tug. Why? Okay, well, let's meet him, because there's a couple things that have to happen if this is going to take place in our house. He's got to be potty trained, and Lulu's got to, like, Lulu's the other one. Lulu's got to not want to bite his head off, you know, every time they look at each other, and so we decided, let's just see. Well, before I even met him, the Lord gave me the name Marcus, which to me is so random. Ladies, you might understand this, but you know, when we're kids, we start naming our kids when we're like eight, right, girls? Don't we? Marcus was never, I have a brother, Mark, so maybe that's why, but Marcus was not there. Um, But for some reason, I was like, let's name him Marcus. What? Anyway, we met him and Lulu liked him, and he was potty trained, and he came home with us. This is Saturday of reset. That night, Saturday night into Sunday morning, um, the Lord woke me with a word for some friends of mine who are here in this house who are planning to adopt a child. And the word was this, as easy as that adoption was, 
your friends, the worries, the majors that they have, their concerns that they have, those things are going to be that easy. These friends needed to hear that message because there were all kinds of doubts swirling around. And so I was able to say that publicly. And if you were here on Sunday night, you might have heard me. Sunday night, I actually was able to say that publicly to them. That night, we go home, resets over, I go to bed. And the Lord wakes me again with a continued word on this, on adoption. And this is what he said. He said, that word that I started in you this weekend about adoption is not done. The rest of the word is for the church. And the word goes like this. There are some in my church who love the idea of a bigger house, but they have no, no desire to adopt. I woke up that next morning, resets over, where am I... How, how are we supposed to, when am I, what's, how are we going to get this word to the church? Is this something I need to share with pastor? Is he going to pass it along? I actually was helping lead worship the next Sunday, and I thought, well, maybe there'll be a moment for exhortation during that time. There wasn't. And uh, that day passed. I hadn't told anyone about it except this friend who is planning to adopt a child. I happened to be able to tell uh, her on that, that, that following Sunday didn't tell anyone else. The very next day is randomly when I got a text from pastor saying, hey, how would you feel about doing the message on Mother's Day? Which I almost fell over, I'm not going to lie. For those of you who are first time here, I do want to say this is not usual. We typically have a very capable male in the pulpit, um, and they are all rock stars in my opinion, especially now, like, (laughs) right? Um, I honestly told Shelly, I'm like, that is seriously a stretch. That that was my first thought. Like, I don't know that that's something that I can do. Shelly being the cheerleader that she is, she was like, no, that is not, you can. You absolutely can. It is not, it is not that much of a stretch, not as much as you think. So, yeah, thank you. Um, It didn't take me very long to realize what the message was supposed to be about. And so here we are. Here we are today. Now, this word, as you've heard, I believe um, includes a warning as well as a call. And when when we hear a warning from the Lord, we have an opportunity to take action and make it right before something happens. So to heed the warning and embrace the call, we're going to make this just a little bit more personal first, okay? So I want you to do a little mental, mental exercise with me. So think in your minds about your own home, and I want you to think about your own home in adoption mode, okay? So maybe you have no desire to adopt a dog or even a child, so I'm going to give you a couple of other options because I want everyone to participate. Um, maybe someday you'll be thinking about bringing an elderly person into your home. Maybe it'll be an aging parent. Maybe you're single and you're thinking, that dream guy or girl, I could adopt them, you know, that'd be perfect. (laughs) Whoever it is, I want you to imagine in your mind your house in adoption mode. What would you have to change? What would you need to rearrange? What would you need to buy more of? What would you need to train the newbie to do or not do. Like maybe there's some things, some quirks you got that you're like, no. (laughs) Someone new in my house, they're gonna fill in the blank. For my mother, it would be, you will rinse your dishes when you're done eating. (laughs) If you don't, there will be punishment, yes. So 
Um, imagine if you're my parents, let's just I'll throw this out there. Hi, Grandma. Imagine if you're my parents, my mother uh, has her mother living with my parents. She's 93 years old. So cute. She's darling, tiny, just adorable. So ridiculously independent, starting to lose her eyesight. And when she eats, she brings all 14 of her tiny little plates to the sofa. I'm not sure about you, but my mother has had to try to train her mother (laughs) in what she would like that to look like. Or maybe you're a family who loves to sit down and eat dinner around the table. But this person that you brought in, they find their de-stress moments in front of the television every day for their meal. Now what? Here's a twist. Have you ever thought about what it might be like if you were going to be adopted into someone else's house? What would they need to do to accommodate you? Uh, Or what would you need to change? So suddenly it's not quite as simple as buying more toilet paper and throwing some more chicken in the pan, right? Suddenly adoption starts to get really real. Now I want you to imagine our house, this house, God's house, in adoption mode. We started this morning with a reminder of the call on our church from Isaiah 54. I love these scriptures. Um, it's actually been a personal call on my life even for a few years. And I, was, I loved it when a couple of times actually in the last couple of years, we've had different prophets here who have said this over our, our house. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense for you will soon be bursting at the seams. We think, wow, that's amazing. It's happening. It's happening. Uh, We are bursting at the seams. Yes. I mean, that is something to give God some praise for. At the moment, I don't know of any construction plans. And so uh, the the alternative is we've got to make room by doing a couple of services probably. So we we have to be ready. Enlarge our house. Build an addition. Spread out our home. But here's this, this call, this warning. There are some who don't have a heart to adopt. Well, God's heart is for adoption. That's the bottom line. Um, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 1. I think it's going to be on the screen too. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. And it says this. And I'm reading from the NLT. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I love the next verse too, so I'm going to go ahead. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Amen. Adoption is from God. I don't know if you caught it in there, but that, right at the very beginning, and adoption is before time. Adoption happened before God said, let there be light. It was already in motion. God chose us. God chose you before he made the world. Not only is God's heart for adoption and adoption being from God, but adoption comes through Jesus Christ. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. 
God decided in advance, verse 5, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This is what Jesus wanted to do, too. He died so that you and I can live and be adopted into his family. And adoption is for God's glory. We praise his glorious grace. You see in verse 6, it says, in this version, it says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. That's the consequence of it. God did adoption. He, he wanted glory through it. He gets glory through it. We sing praise to him for adopting us. We know our need. Uh, we know our need. Now, do you know that every one of God's children has been adopted? Every single one. Even Jesus was adopted. You realize that? Adoption is God's heartbeat. It is God's heartbeat. If we don't embrace the spirit of adoption, I think we're missing the same three pieces we just talked about. We don't understand God's great love for us. And if we don't understand God's great love for us, how can we extend that great love to others? We don't acknowledge our need for Jesus. Again, if we don't have that, that heart for adoption, we, we are not understanding our need for Jesus, and therefore we're not really thinking about the fact that there are all these people out there who also need him. And if we don't embrace that spirit of adoption, we also have forgotten the grace by which we ourselves were saved. That same grace that we extend to others. We know when people come into our church, they come in in, in every uh, place in their walk with Christ that could possibly be. We have people who come into our building who have been serving the Lord for their entire life. We have people who come into our building who've never stepped foot in a church before. And honestly, I, I actually had a lady in this building. Uh, I was helping a friend of hers, actually her little daughter, uh, learn more about baptism. This friend just happened to come along. And she honestly had never heard the Easter story before. She really thought Easter was 100% about rabbits and bunnies. And I was amazed. But she was a 20-year-old person who'd never heard about Jesus' resurrection. Lives right here in Yuma, Arizona. It happens. We have people come into our church who've never heard the good news of Jesus. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to take a look at verse 15, Romans 8, 15. And this is what we're reading in the ESV. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I want to camp on this just for a minute because there's some really key pieces in here. I think if we don't understand that spirit of adoption, it's very easy for us to fall into that spirit of slavery. If, do you notice? Um, yeah. Spirit of slavery, spirit is little s. Spirit of adoption Big S. Who's our big S? 
That's our Holy, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. The spirit of slavery is an opposite spirit. And that spirit of slavery, as you see in the, in the word, it brings fear. Now, I, I introduced you to Marcus earlier, really for this, partly for this point. I've learned not only watching him and the animals, but also people, fear tends to lead to destruction. I don't know if you've noticed that. If we are walking in fear, living in fear, we tend to go into a mode of destruction. It might be our own self, our own body. It might be property around us that we destroy. That's what Marky does. He tears stuff up and... But it might be other people's hearts or their confidence or their position. When we are walking in fear, regardless of who we are, if we have that spirit of slavery stuck on us and we are in that place of fear as opposed to embracing that spirit of adoption, we're walking in destruction. Very dangerous for those of us in the church wanting to welcome and invite and grow the body. I also want you to catch the end of that verse because the great news about God being our father and wanting to adopt us is that we all need a good daddy. I know it's Mother's Day, but even moms need a good daddy. And I had probably, I think, one of the best daddies out there. But I can tell you when I was still a young adult, a young person, I still was searching for the love of the best daddy. So it doesn't matter what kind of dad you had. Don't think if you didn't have a great dad that you just really missed out because you didn't have a good dad. I had a good dad. And he's amazing still. And he is an example to me. And I follow him as he follows Christ. But he is not my heavenly father. He is not perfect. I still need that good daddy that I can cry out to and say, Abba. That means daddy. I can say, Abba, father. My dad doesn't live here. He's in Minnesota. If I need him for something, he's not here. But God, always with me. No matter where I'm at. No matter what we're going through, we can cry out to him and say, Daddy, I need you. I want to give you a couple of examples of some people who who got this. And they started out far from God. But when they caught that spirit of adoption, they ran with it. One of them is the guy we've been studying for the last last few months, probably his three, um, James. I just learned this the, not very long ago, a few weeks ago, and I just want to share this with you. I don't think Pastor Tyrone has, has preached on this at all, but, and you may not know this, I didn't know this, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the guy who wrote the book of James, is also the same James that we see in Acts chapter 15. If you want to turn there, let me see if my, if I can get my online Bible to work here. If not, I'm going to have somebody run one to me. I probably know it well enough, I wouldn't have to look at it. But Acts chapter 15, I'm not going to, this is a whole sermon in itself. Thanks, Karina. Um, 
talks about the Jerusalem Council. I, wanted to, I want to really impart to you that James had a heart for adoption. I'm sure you've heard a few times already, James was a devout Jew, very strong, even before he actually embraced Jesus, but because there was, it was really not until Jesus had already been crucified that his brother finally figured out this is the real deal. But before that, he was already a very devout Jewish follower. Um, And so there were all kinds of rules that went with that, as you well know, including circumcision and all kinds of other things. And so when the Gentiles started to come into the new church, there were all kinds of problems. Well, in, ch- in chapter 15 of Acts, we see at the very beginning, there were some men who came to teach in the church. They came to teach this, that these Gentile converts needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. Now, we know, oh, that sounds crazy, but back then, the Jewish people were like, well, yeah, that makes sense because that's part of the rules, you know, you have to be. So the leaders were having to listen to the Spirit and figure out, what are we going to, what are we going to say? Because we know, right, salvation is by grace alone. We, we choose faith in Jesus and we are saved by, by grace through faith. We don't add anything else to it. They were trying to add circumcision to it. Long story short, you'll see later in the chapter, as they, as they start to uh, discuss about this, eventually they turn to James. James had become the leader of the Jerusalem church by this time. Peter had been already put in jail. As soon as he got out of jail, he, was, he left the city. He would have lost his life if he hadn't. So he left the city, leaving James in charge of the Jerusalem believers who are there. So they're all kind of looking to James to say, what do you say? Well, what he says is interesting because he ends up deciding here are, these aren't rules for salvation, but here are some rules so that we can all work through this adoption thing together because these Gentiles were being adopted into the family of God along with the Jewish people. There were Jews being adopted into the family of God, Gentiles being adopted into the family of God. And, and he ends up saying, here's what we're going to say. He ends up saying four different things, one of them being you need to abstain from sexual immorality. The other three are all related to food. Most of us in today's culture think that's random. Why would he say that? We don't go to restaurants here, open a menu, and see food sacrificed to idols on our menu. But if we did we would not eat that, right? Well, they were, they were going through that back then. Listen, James knew that the heart of adoption was calling him to make these decisions so that when Jewish people and Gentile people sat down at the same table, which inevitably they would, because now they're all coming into fellowship together, most of them would have never been able to even do that. Does that make sense? We had so many different food rules on both sides. One group would have said, no way, I cannot eat with them. And another group would have said, I'm going to get poisoned. I'm going to die of disease if I try to eat with them. So James had this heart for adoption. Um, and we see it very clearly in this, these decisions that they made in the Jerusalem Council. I want to bring another example that's closer to home uh, to light to you too. The more I get to know these folks, the more I see and hear their heart 
for adoption. I think it's just a great example for us. Rob and Emily Garcia, which, oh, they're right back over here. Rob and Emily Garcia, 15 years ago, were not a part of this house. They were people who were far from the Lord. When someone in our house had the spirit of adoption and reached out to them and said, hey, will you come to Easter? Will you come to Easter service with us? And they said, sure. This, this building wasn't here yet. And so at that time, we were in a smaller place. And so when we did large gatherings like that, we were actually at, at an auditorium, uh, the high school auditorium or somewhere. So that's where they ended up going. But Emily was so determined. She knew of Christian people. And she said to her husband, we're going to go, but I don't want you to talk to anyone. And we're leaving as soon as it's over. So don't even stop to the car as soon as it's done, okay? They agreed, fine. Well, you know what happened as soon as service was over that day. Emily's like on a mission to the car and here she hears Pastor Tyrone, hey, Rob. And she's like, oh, too late. He's reeled in. She's like, I know what these Christian people do. They suck you in. Do not talk to them. I love this story. It's great. Now, if you know Rob and Emily, which many of you do, you know that was a long time ago and how far they have come. Uh, They understand. They understand God's heart for adoption. They understand these scriptures we were reading earlier that talk about the fact that God has great love for us. He loves you. God loves you. They figured that out. They came, they saw, they felt the love of God and just were overcome by it. They know they still are loved by God day in, day out. They acknowledge their need for Jesus. They did it back then. They do it still today. Acknowledge over and over their need for Jesus. And they have never forgotten the grace by which they were saved. All of that causes them to be these amazing agents with the spirit of adoption on them. I'm going to take a chance because I think I know what the outcome will be. If you've been impacted in your marriage, in your ministry, in prayer, in any way by Rob and Emily, I'd like you just to stand up. As I'd like you to see the impact of these two on our house over the past 15 years. Can we just give them a thank you, a round of applause? We love you guys. I I work with Emily. I have the the pleasure and the joy of working with Emily every day. And uh, I hear her heart for adoption every day without fail. She's constantly praying for people. She's got a heart to serve always. She's very thoughtful about anything people would need. They were brought near through adoption. They received adoption as sons and daughters. And now they continue to bring others in surrounding them with that spirit of adoption that where you are, wherever you're coming from, this is a safe place. This is where you need to be. This is where we want you. This is where God has planted you. We are all in some stage of adoption. I think I might've said that earlier. The truth is there are really only two stages, right? 
you're either already adopted or you're still an orphan waiting to be adopted. Prayer team, I'm going to go ahead and have you guys come up right now too. It'll be just a few more minutes, but prayer team, go ahead and come on up and worship team can come on up. I want to talk first to those who are already adopted into God's family. If that's you, if you, you've already said yes to Jesus, you have faith in him, you know you are a child of God, I want you to raise your hand. I have a message for you. God's call, this call that we've heard is for us. This call to, right now, think about having a large house with no desire to adopt. Might sound nice for a minute, like you get all the TVs to yourself or something, but long-term, that is the loneliest, saddest place to be. A big house, nobody in it, because you didn't want to bring anybody in. You don't want to keep anybody there. We need to heed this warning. It is is for us. It's a warning and a call. And I know you, church, I know you're going to take it as a call, because that's what you do. You're going to hear the word and and run with it. So the question for today is, for each of us, do I embrace the spirit of adoption and reject that spirit of fear that's going to cause me to reach out in destruction to others around me? Do I embrace that spirit of adoption? Or am I one who loves the idea of a bigger house but has no desire to adopt? It's the choice before us today. I want you all to remember God's great love for you, our ongoing need for Jesus, and embrace that grace that you've been given, that you were saved with originally, the same grace that we get to give to others. Embrace that spirit of adoption. Make room for those that the Lord is bringing in, especially make room for them in your heart. Remember, uh, we're talking about anyone who comes into this house, whatever position, however far along spiritually they may be or not, Don't let fear rule in your hearts. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. Is Micah in here? Micah, the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of what? What's the rest? He's given us a spirit of love, of power, and self-control. I knew he knew it because they say that on the way to school every day. (laughs) Yeah. The Lord has given us the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. I also want to encourage you believers with this. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And now a word to those of you who are still orphans. The adoption paperwork is complete. It's done. It is done. Jesus paid it all. You know, some adoptions cost a lot. Ours cost a lot. It's all paid. He went through all of that red tape. It's done. Do you know what else he told us? I love this. We talked about our houses earlier and thinking about expanding. And in Jesus' house, Jesus said, in, in my father's house, there are many rooms. He's there right now, just getting ready for all of us to be able to be there together. It's going to be the best. I was thinking about my own house. I love going there. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of peace. It's a place of comfort and encouragement. I pray all of your houses would be like that. I, 
that's God's house, but way better. Perfect. It's going to be perfect. And with, with everyone together. So now orphans, the choice is really up to you because Jesus has done his part. We choose faith in him to save us. It's by grace. There's nothing else. There's no other add-on. Like like Luke talking or uh, James talking to his, there's nothing else to add on. We don't need to add anything to what Jesus has done. He's done it all. You just choose faith. Believe that Jesus paid the price of sin for you. He did not create you to be an orphan. He did not create you to be out left in the cold, harsh, dark, sin-filled world by yourself. He created you to be a part of his family, to belong. If you're here today, I want to say you belong here. His heart beats for you to call him daddy, to lift up your hands, reach out to him, the daddy, the good daddy that you need. If your heart cries out right now for a good daddy, I don't, whoever you are, I just want you to hold your hands up high. If your, your heart cries out for a good daddy, you need him, hold your hands up right now. He receives you. You are precious to him. He loves you. He died for you. He chose you before he ever created the world. You are loved, chosen, not forsaken. You are who he says you are. You are a child of God. In Jesus' name. The altars are open if you want to come for prayer. Please do. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. I just want you all to reach out to the Lord during this time as your daddy. Wherever you are, whatever you need, let him fill you up to our